authors get a chance to uh, present you with a summary, possibly a little history about their recent contributions in book form. Um, and it's also a chance uh, for you to ask the authors questions about uh, their books, their works, uh, the process, and various other aspects of their contributions. Our first speaker today is Dr. Guido Holzman from the University of Angers and his book on Mises, uh, The Last Night. Guido Holzman. Thank you, Mark. Uh, so last year in uh, September, the Mises Institute published my uh, uh, Mises biography, which has the title Mises, the Last Night of uh, Liberalism. It is a, a very big book. It has more than 1,100 pages. Uh, and, uh, well, I hope that this will not be a decisive factor for you not to read the book. <laughs> and to give you a few more reasons to do it, uh, well, I'll explain a little bit of, uh, about the background. So, well, what the book does is to well, present, uh, it's, it's the first uh, Mises biography that covers not only his work, but also his life and uh, the uh, historical, political, intellectual background uh, before which he, he was writing. So in the book, you have these three uh, strands of, of presentation interwoven. Uh, there are chapters alternating, uh, presenting uh, his thoughts. So there's, a, for example, a chapter on uh, his theory of money and credit, published in 1912. There's a chapter on human action. There's a chapter on uh, the book Socialism. There's a chapter on the uh, book uh, uh, Theory and History and uh, Ultimate Foundation of Economic Science. And then there are other chapters uh, uh, presenting his activities, uh, both uh, in the university, but also uh, in his uh, uh, function as a uh, representative of the Chamber of Commerce in Vienna, in the <coughs> government of the Republic of Austria, uh, and so on. And there are chapters detailing, uh, usually combined with the presentation of his work, uh, detailing the, the background uh, in which he was uh, writing. For example, there's a chapter, whole chapter on his uh, uh, period in uh, Geneva from 1934 to 1940, uh, detailing the activities, detailing also the political and intellectual background of those years. There's an entire chapter, uh, chapter four, uh, on um, uh, the Austrian school up to 1914 approximately, which represents therefore the intellectual background of his subsequent work. So all of this is uh, brought together for the first time. Of course, I cannot uh, claim originality as far as all these things are concerned. Uh, but it's the first uh, presentation of Mises' life that brings together all these uh, different elements. Now, uh, the scientific contribution of the book lies in the fact that I exploit two very large archives uh, for the first time, which had not been done before me. So this is, on the one hand, uh, the material uh, in the Grove City Archive, Grove City College Archive, where Mises' post-1938 personal documents, correspondence, and so on uh, is uh, uh, stocked. Um, this is a, an archive uh, of about 10,000 uh, pages, of which we have a copy here at the Mises Institute. So those of you who are interested in, in this archive, you 
should, of course, go to Grove City, but you can have most of the material, especially the correspondence, you can have it here at the Mises Institute as well. And then there is the, the Moscow uh, archive, uh, which uh, uh, so is stocked in, a, in a, a special archive in Moscow, in about, uh, which I will say a few words. In fact, it was the discovery of this Moscow archive that uh, spurred uh, the Mises Institute to commission a Mises a biography, and I was the happy one on whom this uh, commission fell, so to say, uh, essentially because Hans Hermann Hoppe did not want to do it. But <laughs> 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 well, Hans probably knew how much work would be involved. I was a wise man already at the time, where I was, uh, and still probably am, a, a greenhorn. And uh, if I had known how much work was involved, I would probably not have done it either. So, but so I jumped into this, and uh, yeah, so what, what was the, the news? So in the, in the mid-1990s, uh, news appeared that uh, Mises' uh, pre-1938 documents were discovered. So why this year, 1938? In 1938, the uh, German army marched into Austria, uh, occupied the country, and one of the first things the, the Nazis did was to uh, eliminate uh, regime opponents. Mises was very high on the list of wanted men, so even before the army was there, there were a special commando of, uh, uh, of soldiers and uh, some officials uh, landing in, in Vienna and going directly to uh, the, the dwelling places of the most famous uh, regime opponents. Mises at that point was already in G Geneva. He would return occasionally to Vienna, so once or twice a, a week, or maybe once a week, and then for several days, he was in Vienna to do various uh, things. So he still had kept one room in the apartment that his family had inhabited since uh, 1904, which is uh, in the Waldseile. Uh, on the Mises website, we have a... a a section detailing Austrian sites in Venice, so look it up, and then uh, Mises' uh, residence, Waldseile, is also mentioned. So it's a street, Waldseile, 24. The building that is today there uh, is not the building in which Mises had lived. The building had been destroyed in the war, and so it's a new build. Mises lived in the third floor, and guess what is today in the third floor, as I discovered on my last trip to Vienna? Well, there is the uh, Israeli-Austrian Chamber of Commerce, okay? <laughs> yeah. So I was very intrigued by this, and I wonder whether it's an accident, but I didn't have the time at the time to just ring the bell and, and ask them whether this was a coincidence or not. Now, uh, so Mises, uh, when he went to Geneva, uh, well, there were housing laws, right? so our, our friend and helper, the government, was already present at the time, and uh, if you... Uh, uh, did not live personally in the apartment, you had not the right to keep it. You had to sell it, okay? So Mises could not keep the, the apartment. He had not the right to rent it anymore. So he worked out a deal with some uh, other party, his successor. He said, okay, you are going to take my apartment. This is not a very nice location and so on. And in exchange, you reserve one room for me. And that's what they did. So he kept one room in this apartment and could uh, keep his library and his personal belongings, correspondence, papers, and so on in this apartment. So when in 1938 the special commando arrived and, and hijacked the apartment, well, they were concentrated especially on this room. And the first thing they did was then to seal it, and uh, later on in the year they returned and uh, emptied it. So they took everything. Uh, so not only personal belongings, uh, well, the, the books and the, and the papers, but also silverware and, well, 
uh, underwear <laughs> and all this, this stuff. So you wonder what they did with this. Well, uh, so after this, nobody knew what had happened. Again, it was not only Mises uh, who was concerned, other people as well, especially Jewish intellectuals, Jewish organizations, but also, well, social democrats, you know, classical liberals of all uh, sorts. And nobody knew what had happened to these uh, things. Mises knew after the war that uh, some of his books had turned up in uh, second-hand book dealers, second-hand book <coughs> dealers. Uh, but he didn't know how they came there. Uh, and, uh, well, we, we still don't know precisely what had happened. Uh, probably what had happened is that uh, all these uh, Jewish library material had been centralized by the Nazis. So it was a central collection in Berlin. Uh, and uh, due to war troubles, they had to um, uh, send them elsewhere. So the, the, the books were st stocked at other places and so on. And then uh, in the post-war trouble, then probably the places where they were uh, just started selling them because they needed money. That's the usual thing. Now, but we do know definitely what happened to his correspondence and his papers. Uh, they were taken over by the Red Army at the end of the war. So in 1945, on an abandoned rail track in Bohemia, the Red Army took an entire train with archive material, well, with Mises stuff, but also all this other uh, 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 similar material that the Nazis had taken over from regime opponents. And they brought it to Moscow and uh, put everything into a special archive that they called Special Archive. Well, not in Russian, but... And nobody knew about the secret archive. It was uh, then mentioned only in the wake of the uh, demos of the Soviet Union in the late 1980s. So in 1989 or early 1990, the first press article appeared about the existence, mentioning the existence of this uh, archive. And then uh, a couple of intellectuals associated with a German labor union traveled to Moscow and uh, cataloged the contents of this archive and published everything, so first in German, uh, in 1991. And from then on, then other uh, researchers went to Moscow, made more detailed uh, studies of the contents and so on. One of the things that there's, that's very intriguing there is, for example, you have all the, the Auschwitz records uh, in, in Moscow. The uh, Goebbels uh, diaries which had been uh, 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 discovered by David Irving uh, and then uh, published uh, in, in the mid-1990s were also in this archive. So there's lots of hot material there. When I went there eventually in 1998, I said, well, so I want to look at the Mises uh, material. I said, well, very fine. And then they looked at me, nothing else. So they, <laughs> they could not understand that I was just interested in this economist and, and not in something more sexy. <laughs> or could stir possibly even more trouble. So, uh, yeah, then the, the first Austrian economist who got wind of this was Richard Ebeling. So he learned about this in about 1994 and arranged uh, for a trip to Moscow in 1996. So he came back with material and so on. And uh, then my commission to write a Mises biography came in 1997, early 1997. And, uh, uh, so I was busy with various other projects, but then in 1998, I could travel to Moscow too and uh, had a three-week sojourn 
in, in Moscow, which was very cost effective because if you've ever uh, worked with the Mises Institute, you know that the budget is tight. Okay, well, you, you, you can eat and, and drink and so on and have fun, but uh, well, when you're not in a five-star hotel and these things, so I mean, they, they handle donor money very responsibly. And so I was three weeks on the spot, and uh, uh, I went about this because I wanted to get, of course, as much material out of the archive as possible. So what I did was to look at the uh, detailed, their detailed table of contents, and I knew that I definitely wanted to have all the material in certain files. I said, okay, you give me this. And then I had them give me the other files of which I wasn't sure how much I would need. And so then I picked out of the other files those documents that were really important. And as a consequence, um, uh, they were able to give me photocopies of about uh, whatever, 60 or 70 percent of the material, which was about the, the border limit of what's, what they were authorized to give, uh, but which was really about 95 percent of all that was relevant. Right? For example, in a, in, in a journal in which one Mises article appeared, they would count all of the pages, right? whereas I needed only 10 pages of a Mises article. So. Uh, 10% of this, so that was fine. But for me, it was 100%. Uh, so I got pretty much uh, everything, had this sent to Auburn, Alabama, where it then almost disappeared because there was a, um, uh, uh, a terrible storm on the day when my, my, my parcels arrived with the documents. Right? So they, they had to abandon them in a, in a room, and everybody was blown away. Bert Blumert was almost blown away to Opelika. Uh, <laughs> But so everything was fine, and then so in the subsequent years I could work on this. So what the Mises biography does then is to exploit for the first time these very large uh, archives, archival material, and in fact it has opened uh, interesting perspectives on his uh, on his work, but especially on his life, and on his connections, what were social connections at the time, uh, what were the problems with uh, which he was dealing, what were the uh, uh, maybe intrigues or something that were going on. So this is uh, then the essential scientific contribution of the Mises Institute, uh, of the Mises biography. And uh, certainly it is not uh, the, the last word right, on Mises. Uh, sometimes so in advertisements say that's the definitive biography of Ludwig von Mises. Well, of course, in science, there is no such thing as a definitive work. And Mises would have been the first uh, one to point this out. Right? So it's just the definitive work until the next one comes, who, who does a better job. And I hope many such people will come and do a much better the job than I did. Uh, so uh, there, there's still much work to do. Um, uh, although I, I cover, well, the book uh, has 1,100 pages, uh, there are many uh, black holes right, that uh, experts will have no difficulty finding. Uh, for example, uh, although I uh, discussed uh, many uh, fears of research of Mises very thoroughly. There are some that are barely uh, touched. For example, uh, capital and interest theory. Right? Uh, I, so there's some discussion in the book, but nowhere as in-depth as it could have been, uh, given the, the material that is available. Uh, I did not uh, use uh, archival material uh, present in Richard von Mises' archives at uh, Harvard University and, and other things. Uh, no, uh, why, uh, why this incompleteness? Well, first of all, well, it's very difficult to do everything, right? And there's also, well, then e an economics of uh, research and economics of publication. You can only do so much. So, and I think, well, it's good that there's, there's, there's much, uh, much uh, many things to do for, for other people. Um, and then, of course, well, I follow the 80-20 the rule. 
20% right? uh, of the material contains 80% of what is relevant. It's so in all fields of, of life, right? And you better focus on those things that are most important first. And that's what I try to do. And I not only cover 20% of the material, but much more than this. So I guess right, something in the order of 60 or 70%, which makes about 95% of what is relevant, as I hope. But I'm, I'm ready to stand to be corrected by subsequent uh, researchers. Uh, then the other reason why I did not cover uh, everything was uh, lack of competence. Right? So my main field of, of research, main field of competence, is simply is, uh, is monetary theory, epistemology, uh, such things. So, and of course, these were the areas that I felt I could discuss uh, and, and contribute something to, to the debate or something to the knowledge about Mises. If you have a hammer in the hand while you are looking for nails to hit, that's what I did. Uh, so again, right, for um, in future years, well, uh, my research interests also shift, so I'm right now turning more to capital theory, international economics. Uh, well, my, my presentation of Mises' work is also likely uh, to shift, and so here, again, there is room for other people uh, than me to, uh, to contribute something uh, to, to uh, our knowledge about Mises' life. Well, uh, so this is pretty much all that I had to tell you today. I think it's a book uh, uh, that is very interesting not only for Mises fans, okay, it's interesting for people who are interested in the history of the 20th century to which Mises made uh, uh, important contributions not only in ideas but also in practice. He had an impact on, on practical polit uh, politics, especially before uh, World <coughs> War II. And it is a book that is uh, wonderfully produced by the by the Mises Institute, very, very nice book, very good quality, and a book that is also very well written, which is not due to me, and therefore I can, can point this out. I have this great, great editorial team working under Jeff Tucker, then uh, uh, B.K. Marcus, uh, a wonderful person whom I've never met, by the way, so it was a pure uh, internet corporation, uh, and then various other people, well, improving the manuscript, for example, uh, 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 Mr. Potts, and then uh, uh, Ralph Rako, Walter Block, and a couple of other readers. Yeah, Mark Thornton also, Arlene Sinner. Right. So this uh, this made for the quality. It's not always good if you bring in more people. Right. In German, we say, many cooks uh, spoil the soup. Okay, and that's often true. But so there was no involvement in the contents really. Just a critical reading and highlighting. Okay, you need to clarify this or that point. But I profited definitely from uh, the polishing. Of, of the language, which is not my, my uh, native language. Okay, well, we have a few minutes for questions, and I'll be happy to take any. Mm -hmm. Sir. Uh, thank you, uh, Guido, for your excellent work. Uh, just a small historical question, since you're involved in it. We have at the Mises Library in Guatemala, a jump to the library, the Café Kunstler. Is that the right name of the <coughs> cafe where Mises used to go to after his seminar? The Café Kunstler. There was discussion whether it was Kunstler or some other name. Well, I've not, I've not been able to, to clarify this question in detail. Well, so in fact, so there are the two versions, but most, uh, uh, mostly you find the, the name Kunstler mentioned. Uh -huh. uh, so the Café Artist. Well, it's just to advertise that we drink Guatemalan coffee <laughs> yeah, so I, you need to keep up traditions, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Sir. Yes. Um, you 
You mentioned uh, one black hole being uh, Mises' work on capitalism interest. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think that in addition to what Israel Kurzner has done, that there, there might be room for more research uh, on that black hole? Uh, well, Israel Kirzner, what I mean, what Israel Kirzner stated the issue, right? Israel Kirzner has an article. Uh, I don't know where the, the first version was published, but uh, so he has uh, a book, uh, uh, essays on capital, yes. ca capital and interest, or something, which this article is there, the, which uh, Kirzner discusses the issues at, at stake, uh, which on which Mises disagreed with Knight in particular, and, and, and Hayek, and so on. What uh, a history of uh, historian of thought would do would be to trace back the debate, and then also read very carefully uh, Mises' chapters on uh, the role of time in human action and then interest, because Mises would not always quote the authors of positions he contested, for various reasons. One was to take the heat a little bit out of the out of the debate, and then also often because uh, he realized that the, the present defender, the present champion of a position was not necessarily the one who invented it. So, uh, there, so there are then discussions without naming names, right, as a typical Mises feature. So what a researcher would, then would have to do is to read line by line these chapters and see, well, what is actually, what uh, issue is he addressing? Who expressed uh, this point? In the, in the previous debate that uh, ran through the 1930s, especially the exchange of articles between Hayek and Knight. Right? But then also, there's more material uh, there that I mentioned in the Mises biography. For example, there was a uh, kind of um, uh, discussion uh, among uh, members of the Austrian school, so Mises, uh, uh, Machlob, Hayek, Havala, were all on the same mailing list and discussing issues of capital theory. Uh, this is German language material, so that, that's an opportunity for a German, uh, somebody who uh, can read German, to exploit this material. It's unexploited for the first time. It gives at least a, a wonderful paper. Right? So there are many, many opportunities to do more work. Well, it, it is my opinion that Mises was not, in fact, very Kantian. What, this, what creates this impression is that he uses the terms a priori, a posteriori, terms that were brought into the uh, discussion by Kant, right? so it's Kantian uh, vocabulary. But, uh, I mean, at the time, of course, th this was just terminology that made it into the mainstream. Whether you were Kantian or not, well, you use these terms. For example, people from the uh, Vienna circle of positivists, they reasoned in, in these terms and so on. So it was hard to avoid uh, this terminology if you wanted to bear on, on the debate. So Mises, Mises used this, and of course he used uh, this to hammer uh, the point that 
the, uh, what we know about economics laws does not derive from sense impressions. It's not sensual uh, information, but uh, from pure reason. Uh, and that's, of course, a point that you also find in Aristotle. There's no, right? So in Aristotle, we have two sources of knowledge. One is reason, one is uh, sense, uh, the human senses. And so there's, there's no uh, difference there, right? And there are various other indications. For example, the theory of money uh, and credit has a f in the entire first part with the title, The Nature of Money. Okay, and I'll say what you will, but that's not a very Kantian way of phrasing things. Okay, so it's very uh, Aristotelian, and uh, yeah, I think uh, Mises is fully. Excuse me? Das Wesen des Geldes. So it's even, yeah, so it's very, uh, very uh, Aristotelian. Um, so I think the, the, this whole Kantian uh, associ uh, associating Mises with Kant's philosophy is, uh, is, is mistaken, right? It's precisely this, <coughs> it stands on the epistemological front that creates the continuity <coughs> with the Mengarian project. Mises deviates, in fact, from Menger when it comes to uh, value theory, right? And the, and the general outlook on what economics is all about. For Menger, it's about uh, goods, right? And causalities uh, explaining, well, the, the price of goods and so on, of objects. And he said, well, uh, one part of, this, uh, of the causes that here come into play uh, are, are human beings and their needs and so on, okay? But ultimately, that's, that's the thing to be explained. Whereas for, for Mises, economic science is about choices, okay? And human action. It's not about things. Is there any information about the forecast that Richard von Mises, his brother, had on him? Precisely because they were so opposite in their views. One defended the posteriori knowledge, and the other one the a priori knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I didn't find anything. Okay, so probably they had uh, some. Well, they might have had some some heated discussions, but I, I found no evidence whatever of such a thing. So uh, this is another difficulty. Uh, lack of evidence does not always mean, well, there was nothing there. It just means, well, for example, it was a, a family meeting or whatever on the countryside or at home, and then after uh, dessert, they would go into these questions and then dispute one another. It's, of course, imaginable and probable, but I found no trace of evidence. I get the impression that the first chapters of the human action by Mrs. is just a uh, discussion with the views of the Vienna Circle and particularly of the views of Richard von Mises. Yeah, well, I mean, then, of course, it gets uh, very complicated because you need to read very carefully uh, Richard von Mises as compared to the other members of the <laughs> Vienna Circle and other people as well. I mean, these views were not limited to the Vienna Circle. And again, so I don't deny that probably you, you might get something out of this, but I didn't believe that, I, uh, that the, the result would be worthwhile, the, the investment of time. So I guess that's a project of at least a half, a half a year or something, to do all the readings and then go through the manuscript very carefully. And even then, right, you are, there's no hard, hard evidence in there. Right? It's a very, very interpretive uh, exercise that, uh, well, will necessarily yield results that are, well, of limited significance. You see wh what I mean? Yeah. Right? So that, that's the problem. I don't say that that's interesting. It would be nice to have a paper on this, but it's a lot of work with a prospect uh, of, of limited contribution. Therefore, I didn't do it. Last question. Okay. Uh, but did they have a close relationship? Or were they sort of, they grew apart? They, no, they did not have a close relationship. 
uh, what we know from Margaret from Mises is that they uh, drew closer together due to her. So after the, the marriage in 1938 uh, of Margaret to, to Ludwig, she tried to bring the, the brothers together, as she said, which means that before they were not. Mm -hmm. right? And uh, then even in the subsequent years, well, uh, when, when Richard went to, to Harvard and then Ludwig and Margaret would follow to New York uh, two years later, uh, there, there were some meetings and, and some contact, but it was uh, never a very close relationship. Now we ignore the we ignore really the reasons uh, of the split. It might have uh, it might have something to do uh, with uh, religious commitment. Uh, Richard, for example, converted briefly to Catholicism. I was a big admirer of uh, uh, Rilke, a great great Austrian poet and an expert. Actually, so Richard was one of the fields where he also made scientific contributions. History of Rilke's uh, poetry and so on, uh, but and this must have stirred uh, trouble within the family because the the, the mother was very uh, committed to the Jewish faith and, and uh, Richard was living uh, Ludwig was living with his mother until uh, her death, 1937. So their relationship must have been very very close. So this must have been, could have been one thing. One thing was maybe, well, a general rivalry among brothers that sometimes exists, especially if they are both very ambitious, uh, both very uh, talented. Uh, Richard, without any doubt, made a greater career than Ludwig. Right? was a full professor uh, at the age of 26, right? and then went through the greatest uh, uh, departments of uh, applied mathematics in his time, University of Berlin, and then ha Harvard. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this. Right. Whereas Ludwig always made a, a career in, in private, private institutions only. So this must have or could have created also some rivalry. We don't know. And one of the, of course, one of the maxims that I pursued in my work, only talk about the things that you know something about and sh just shut up about the rest. Because right? otherwise I would have started speculating, and uh, yeah, which would have diminished the, the value of this work. Well, thank you very much for your interest.